0: Second story of Polonia: Seven Stories from Contemporary Japanese Writers, translated by Torao Taketomo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Abai in September 2014. Hanako by Mori Ogai. Auguste Rodin came into the studio. The spacious room was filled with sunshine this Hotel biron was a luxurious building originally erected by a certain rich man but later on it became a convent of the school of the sacred heart and remained so until a short time ago perhaps in this very room the nuns of the Sacre coeur called together the girls of the faubourg saint germain and taught them their hymns Just as the little birds cry out on seeing from their nest the mother approaching, so the little girls, standing in rows and opening their mouths, may have sung. Those cheerful voices no longer may be heard. But another sort of cheerfulness is reigning in this room. A different life is dominating. It is a voiceless life, but though voiceless, it is magnificent, pulsating, and cultured there were several lumps of gypsum on each of several tables the master is accustomed to begin several works at a time and to work on them intermittently according to his mood until complete as various plants bloom at the same time so certain of his works grow like things in nature some rapidly some slowly this man has a tremendous perception of form His works are growing before his hands touch them. This man has a tremendous power of concentration. The moment he begins a work, he is able to assume the attitude of continuing a work begun some hours before. With bright face, Rodin looked over the numerous half-completed works, that face with a broad forehead, a nose that seemed to have a joint in the middle, a white ample beard that crowded about the chin. There were knocks at the door. Entrez! A deep, powerful voice, unlike that of an old man, vibrated through the air of the room. The man who entered the door was a lean fellow of about thirty years of age, with dark brown hair and a Jewish cast of countenance. He announced that he was bringing Mademoiselle Hanako, as he had promised. Rodin did not change his appearance either when he saw the man entering, or when he heard the words. Once, when a chieftain from Cambodia was staying in Paris, Rodin saw a dancer whom this chieftain had brought, and he felt a kind of attraction for the flexible movements of her long slender limbs. The dessins taken in haste are still in his possession. Rodin believing as in that case that every person has something of beauty a beauty to one who discovers the point had heard that a japanese girl called hanako had been on the stage at the varieté for several days through a mediator he asked the man who had charge of hanako to bring her to his house the man who had come was the manager the impresario let her come hither rodin said "'It was not merely from lack of time that he neglected to show him to a chair. "'I have brought an interpreter with us,' the man said, as if to learn his humour. "'Who is he? Is he a Frenchman?' "'No, a Japanese who works at l'Institut Pasteur. "'He heard from Hanako that she was called to you and desired to come as interpreter.' "'All right, let him enter also.' Instantly, two Japanese, a man and a woman, entered the room. Both of them looked peculiarly small. The manager who followed and closed the door was not a tall man, but the two Japanese reached only to his ears. Rodin's face wrinkled about the eyes, the wrinkles which seemed to be carved at the inner corner when he looks at things intently. The wrinkles showed at this time— His gaze moved from the student to Hanako, and stayed there for a while. The student saluted and grasped the right hand Rodin offered, the hand on which each sinew stood on the surface, the hand that had created la Danaide, le Baiser, and le Penseur. And, taking out a card on which Kubota MP was written, he delivered it to Rodin. Rodin glanced at the card and said, are you working at l'Institut Pasteur? Yes, sir. Have you been there for some time? Avez-vous bien travaillé? Kubota was surprised. He had been told that Rodin says this as a habit. Now these simple words were spoken directly to him. Oui, beaucoup, monsieur. At the moment he said this, Kubota felt as if he were swearing to be diligent for life kubota introduced hanako rodin looked down as if to comprehend her with a glance of the eye and he saw the small trim body of hanako from the unbecomingly dressed hair of takashimada to the tips of her feet in white tabi and in chiyoda sandals and he reached forth and took the tiny but robust hand kubota could not but feel in his mind a sort of humility He wished that he had a finer person to introduce to Rodin as a Japanese woman. His feeling was not unreasonable, for Hanako was not a beauty. She had appeared in the European cities as a Japanese actress, but the Japanese themselves knew nothing of such an actress. Of course Kubota also knew nothing about her. Moreover, the actress was not a beauty. It might be too severe to call her a servant— she did not seem to have worked especially hard, for her hands and feet were not hardened. But even at her bloom of seventeen, her appearance would hardly rank her as a chambermaid. In a word, she was not more presentable than a nursery-maid. Unexpectedly, rodin's face showed a glow of satisfaction. He was pleased with Hanako healthy, with no sign of indulgence in leisure with firm, elastic flesh, well developed by proper exercise, characteristics that were vividly shown in the face, short from forehead to chin, in the bare wrists and gloveless hands, and in the thin skin which showed not a particle of fat. Hanako, who was already accustomed to European manners, took the hand of Rodin with an amiable smile on her face. Rodin offered chairs to both of them and said to the manager please wait for us a while in the parlour after the manager was gone they sat down offering the uncovered box of cigars to kubota rodin said to hanako are there any mountains or sea at mademoiselle's home hanako as is common among the women in such a profession had a regular stereotyped story of her life which she told to persons whenever she was questioned just as in the case of the little girl in zola's lourdes who relates the miracle of the recovery of her injured feet in the train her story became through frequent repetition like the composition of the routine story-teller fortunately the unexpected question of rodin upset this ready-made plan THE MOUNTAIN IS AT A DISTANCE. THE SEA IS CLOSE BY. THE ANSWER PLEASED RODIN. DID YOU RIDE ON JUNKS FREQUENTLY? YES, SIR. DID YOU ROW YOURSELF? NO, SIR. I DID NOT ROW AS I WAS STILL SMALL. MY FATHER ROWED. A PICTURE CAME INTO RODIN'S IMAGINATION, AND HE BECAME SILENT FOR A WHILE. RODIN IS A MAN WHO IS OFTEN SILENT. Rodin said abruptly to Kubota, "'I presume mademoiselle is acquainted with my profession. Would she be willing to remove her clothing?' Kubota reflected a moment. Of course he did not wish to be instrumental in causing a woman of his own country to bear herself before another man, but he did not object to daring it for Rodin. There was no need on his part for reflection. His hesitation was due to the doubt as to what Hanako would say.' "'Anyway, I will speak to her. "'If you please.' "'Kubota addressed Hanako in this manner. "'The master has something to consult you about. "'I think you understand that he is the peerless sculptor of the world "'and models the shape of the human body. "'This is the point about which he wishes to consult you. "'He wishes to know if you will oblige him by posing to him in the nude for a few moments. "'What do you say?' "'As you see, he is an elderly man, not far from seventy. "'Moreover, he is such a fine gentleman. "'What do you think?' "'Thus saying, Kubota looked attentively into Hanako's face. "'He was wondering whether she would be overcome with shame, "'or affect airs, or blame him. "'I will,' she replied frankly and naively. "'She consents,' Kubota told Rodin. Rodin's face shone with pleasure, and rising up from the chair, he took out paper and chalk, and said to Kubota, as he laid them on the table, "'Will you stay here?' "'The same thing is sometimes necessary in my profession,' said Kubota, "'but it might be unpleasant to Mademoiselle.' "'Then will you wait there in the library? "'I shall be through within fifteen or twenty minutes. "'Light a cigar, if you like.' he says he will be through within fifteen or twenty minutes saying these words to hanako kubota went out through the door shown him the small chamber into which kubota stepped had entrances on either side and only one window bookcases were on the wall opposite the window and on the other walls that constituted its wings kubota stood a while reading the titles on the leather bindings of the books This was a collection which had been assembled rather by chance than by intention. Rodin was by nature a book-lover, and it is said that he was always carrying a book in his hand, even in his young days of misery, when he was roaming the streets of Brussels. Among the old dusty books there must be some of varied memories, and brought here with purpose. As the ashes of his cigar were about to fall, Kubota walked toward the table and dropped the ashes in the receiver. And, wondering what were the books on the table, he took them up to see. On the furthest edge of the table, leaning against the window, was a book which Kubota took to be a Bible, but, on opening it, he found that it was the Edition de Poche of the Divina Commedia, the Book was one of the works of Baudelaire. Without any idea of reading, he opened the first page, on which there was a treatise entitled The Metaphysics of the Toy, and, wondering what was in it, he all at once began to read. The treatise opened with this memory, that when Baudelaire was a little boy, he was taken to a certain demoiselle, who had a room full of toys, and told he might have his choice. After a child has played with a toy for a while, he is possessed to break it. He wonders what there is beyond the thing. If it be a moving toy, he wishes to search after the origin of the impulse. Hence, the child goes from physique to metaphysique, from science to metaphysics. As it was only four or five pages, Kubota, becoming interested, read through to the end. Then there was a knock. The door opened and Rodin's white-haired head peeped through. Pardon me, you must be tired. No, sir, I was reading Baudelaire. Saying thus, Kubota entered the studio. Hanako was already dressed. Two esquisses were lying on the table. What of Baudelaire were you reading? The metaphysics of the toy— The same idea pertains to the human body, that the form is not interesting simply because it is a form, it is a mirror of the soul. The inner flame, showing transparently through the form alone, is interesting. When Kubota looked timidly at the esquisse, Rodin said, They must be hard to understand, as they are so rough. He continued after a moment. Mademoiselle has an exceedingly beautiful body. She has not a particle of fat. Each muscle arises on the surface like the muscle of a fox-terrier. As the fibers are tight and thick, the size of the joints is made the same as the size of the limbs. They are so firm that she could stand on one leg while the other is stretched at the right angle, like a tree that has its roots thrust deep in the earth this is different from the mediterranean type with broad shoulders and loins and does not resemble the north european type with broad loins but narrow shoulders it is the beauty of strength end of the second story